Section 121 of Canada, South America, Central America, Mexico, and the West Indies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. The World's Story, Volume 11. Canada, South America, Central America, Mexico, and the West Indies. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 121. The Eruption of Mount Pele, 1902. By Charles Augustus Stoddard. On the 8th of May, 1902, Mount Pele, which had been inactive for 51 years, suddenly burst forth with scalding steam liquid fire, stifling gas, and smothering dust. There had been warnings of disaster for several weeks, and a few of the inhabitants had made their way over the mountains or by boat to Fort de France at the southern end of the island, but the great majority remained. The volcano was evidently uneasy and threw up clouds of steam and a fine dust which covered everything and darkened the air, but no great damage had been done. The priests were praying in the cathedral and churches. The authorities ordered the people to stay, and many cheerful and hopeful people believed that there would be no serious eruption. Fifty years had passed since any fatal outbreak had occurred. Probably after a little smoke, noise, and ashes, all would be over. So the people hoped and waited, till in the twinkling of an eye, the whole vast mass of boiling, blazing, suffocating mud and ashes burst from the rent and torn crater, rising miles into the air, to fall the next instant and for hours thereafter, in killing blisters and deadly fumes, and choking lava dust on man and beast, orchards and gardens, houses and streets, the wharves and beaches, boats in the harbor, vessels in the roadstead, and even upon ships far out at sea. Meanwhile, the earth was rocking, roofs were whirled away by a tempest, and as the affrighted crowds rushed down the steep streets to the bay of St. Pierre, the sea rose, and with an immense tidal wave, drowned them by thousands. In the gray dawn of that May morning, there were 45,000 bright, handsome, living French Creoles, colored people, and Negroes in St. Pierre. Instead of sunrise came a rain of fire amid which the whole population, shrieking, wailing, crazed, crammed the cathedral only to die, climbed the mountains and sought the forests only to be burned or buried alive, fled to the river to find it a torrent of scalding water, and to the sea to meet a watery grave. At noon there was but one living man in the ruined and desolate city of St. Pierre, and he was a Negro prisoner, burned but not dead, in a subterranean dungeon, where he had been confined for crime. A strange travesty of justice. All the innocent met a dreadful doom. The one guilty and condemned criminal was saved. I have seen this naked negro, his back scarred and blistered by the heat, which found its way even into his prison. He is vouched for by the authorities of Fort de France, has come to New York, and if allowed to remain by the authorities, is to be shown as a curiosity in the United States. 
He was rescued four days after the eruption, frightened almost out of his senses, unable to say anything except that he heard dreadful noises and felt intolerable heat and thought he would die of thirst. The London Times gave a description of the scene as viewed from the deck of the Rodam, which arrived at Moorings in St. Pierre half an hour before the eruption on May 8, 1902. The Rodam approached the island very cautiously, the more so that as the land was neared, Mount Pelet was seen to be throwing out volumes of black smoke. But as on reaching the bay, several vessels were seen riding at anchor. Captain Freeman decided to bring his ship also to her moorings. This was about 7.30 on the morning of the 8th. The captain, the agent, and supercargo were engaged in conversation near the companion ladder, when suddenly, with a mighty earth-shaking roar, the whole side of the mountain seemed rent in twain from top to bottom, and a solid wall of fire swept over the town and bay. So rapid was its progress that those on board had hardly time to throw themselves wherever shelter was nearest when the vessel was struck, with such force by the burning mass as nearly to capsize her, and she was enveloped from stem to stern in a whirlwind of fire. Alas, for those who reached no shelter! They were never seen again. They either jumped overboard in the frantic effort to escape, or they were swept bodily away. No human being could stand against that terrific deluge of molten ashes. Even those who reached the cabin or hold did not escape, for almost every nook and cranny of the ship was filled with the blazing dust. Captain Freeman sought shelter in the chart room, but the portholes being open, the fire streamed in and burned him badly on face and hands. After the first shock was over, the captain came out on deck, as soon as it was possible, to do so with any chance of safety. The scene was now awful and terrifying. A pitchy darkness had succeeded. The cataract of fire. Pierced only fitfully by the flames from the faded city, Saint-Pierre was blazing from every quarter, and as the flames rose higher, by their lurid light, the doomed inhabitants could be seen, wildly running from place to place, vainly seeking a way to escape, and even above the roar of the flames could be heard their piercing shrieks of agony and despair. By heroic efforts, the ship was saved and reached St. Lucia after seven hours. Every part of the vessel was heaped with ashes like powdered pumice stone. There was not a square inch of her deck, but was strewn with them. When one came to realize that when these ashes descended on the ship, they were aglow, some idea could be formed of the awful nature of the danger through which the vessel had come. Moving slowly about were a few gray figures, clothes, hair, and beard covered with the same coating of ash. They looked like men, suddenly stricken with age. One of these gray figures came up to the ship's agent as he went aboard. You don't know me? and indeed it was hard to recognize this seemingly old man, with face all scorched and blackened hands, held up helplessly, swollen to three times their natural size, and burned and blistered cruelly. Only his voice betrayed him. Why, Captain, you have come through an awful time. Aye, sir, from hell's gates, but look to the others, I'm all right. End of section 121. This recording is in the public domain.